Welcome to Christmas at Central. We're getting ready to hear an incredible message from our senior pastor, Pastor Judd Wilhite. That's right. But before we get to that, we want to encourage you to share this experience with your friends and family. You know, we meet live every weekend, and we would love to have you learn more about experience times, locations, and everything you need to know. So go to central.family to get that information. Also, if this ministry has impacted your life, we would love for you to consider giving a financial gift. To do so, all you have to do is go to central.family and you'll see a quick link there where you can help give. But for now, let's get ready to hear a message of hope from Pastor Judd. Well, welcome everybody and Merry Christmas. Big shout out to not only those of you attending our physical locations, but those of you who are watching online. Thanks for being with us and uh, excited to gather and be able to celebrate either virtually or physically when it comes to Christmas and the holidays. This is my favorite time of year. How many of you love this time of year? It's my favorite. Absolutely love it. Um, you know, and I think there's a lot of reasons why we love Christmas. Certainly, you know, one of them is the gifts. When you're, when you're older, you love giving gifts, you know, to kids and others. When you're young, you love receiving gifts. And I don't know what the top gift would be this year. Every year, there's usually like top gifts. But one of them that would have to be in the running this year would be this guy right here. Anybody recognize this guy? Little Baby Yoda. Come on. And Baby Yoda's like, amazing and uh, you know he's got a name but I'm not gonna say it you gotta you gotta watch for that but uh, baby Yoda he actually is famous he made a, a trip on a spaceship uh, resilience to the International Space Station recently so he's making the rounds maybe he's one of the top gifts this year and uh, when it comes to Christmas and the holidays I just think there's a lot of things that uh, cause us, you know, to love this time of year. Like, check out this slide. Uh, gifts, certainly that's part of it. Decor, some of you love putting lights up and decorations and getting the tree out and all of that. Music, how many of you love Christmas music? Yeah, you know, like, I'm always trying to get that, you know, early, like July uh, around our house, you know, because I, I love it a little more than anybody else. Goodwill, there's a lot of goodwill this time of year. Family, it's always great to be able to gather with family or connect with family. And I think if we were to say, like, what's the one word that everybody hopes they experience during the holiday time, we could probably agree on this word right here, joy. We all hope we can have that feeling of surprise and delight and joy that come from all of these things during the holiday season, which is why this year it's particularly challenging, right? Because like a lot of people are out of work or their income has been impacted, and so gifts won't be the same. Uh, you can put the decor up and the music up, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to feel the Christmas vibes like you maybe did in past years. Um, certainly there's a lot of goodwill, but when it comes to family and gathering with family and travel, all of that's impacted and all of it's different. And I think we're just in a season where it may not quite feel like Christmas for a lot of people. It's Christmas season, but it's also COVID season. And so we're trying to manage the tension of all of that this year. Some of you, maybe you're here today, and if you're honest, you're not really okay. Some of you haven't been okay for a long time. And maybe you put on a good face and you do all the things you're supposed to do and somehow you're still functioning, but you're not okay. One of the things we say around here at Central is it's okay to not be okay. You don't have to have it all together and you don't have to fake it. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to not feel like you have joy this holiday season. It just means you're normal. You're human. We're going through a pandemic together. But even if that's where you are, I want to both validate 
those feelings. And then I want to give you some hope today because I believe Jesus came on Christmas Day to make joy available every day. Jesus came on Christmas Day to make joy available every day. And we don't have to have all these things, the goodwill, the gifts, the decor, the music, family around. We don't have to have all these things to experience joy. Jesus himself can fill us with joy even when many of these things feel like they're off center. In fact, let's go back to the first Christmas story, Luke chapter um, uh, two, beginning in verse nine. When we get to the highlighted word, I'm gonna ask you to read this with me, but the angels make this amazing announcement and it says that the shepherds in the field, it says they were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring what? Great joy, you see that great joy to all the people. What is the message of Christmas? What's the message of Jesus? It's the message of good news. And what is the good news? That God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's the gospel. It's the good news of who Jesus is and what he came to bring. It's good news that will bring great joy to all people. And I want you to notice this. The good news and the great joy has nothing to do with many of the things that we attach to this season that give us joy. It doesn't say that that good news and that great joy is anchored in Christmas music. It doesn't say it's anchored in decorations or gifts or goodwill or, you know, family being at home. It's anchored in Jesus and who he is. That's the good news. That's the great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And that's our hope today. Listen, our hope is anchored in something that has sustained billions of people through thousands of years, right? It's not anchored in current headlines. It's anchored in who Jesus is. This isn't the first pandemic since Christ was on this earth and may not be the last, but it is the faith in that Christ that has sustained people through horrible, tough, dark seasons to come through on the other side. And it can even allow us to find joy in the middle of it. So how do we experience joy? Here's a couple thoughts for you. One, this holiday, look for joy. Just look for joy. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but it feels like the last nine months has, has kind of been like 10 years, you know, it just, and it just keeps going, right? It's gone on forever. Uh, one thing I actually did that I hadn't done in a long time is I went to the dentist a few months ago, and I went in, and they're like, man, you need to have all this work done, and, and I didn't realize we were going to do it. They said, we could do it right now if you want to, and it was kind of early afternoon. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, and, and they gave me eight shots across the top of my mouth and eight shots across the bottom of my mouth, and uh, they did this work, this dental work. But I didn't really plan that very well because when I got to my car, I thought, man, I am starving. And I don't know if you've ever been starving after having your whole mouth numbed up, but I literally was slobbering on myself and I only knew it because I looked up in my rear view mirror. Because I didn't even feel it, you know, like I was a total mess. And so I, w I went home, I tried to eat a banana, and, you know, it came out all over my shirt, no joke. So I tried to, like, uh, use a straw and take in some tomato soup. But you have to be able to get, like, suction on the straw. And I couldn't do it. You know, I was just pathetic. My shirt was a mess. It was bad. I finally just took a selfie here of myself. And, and you know, you can see that my lips are a little puffed up. But just so that you're dialing in to, like, how 
far down my lip is sagging. That's the bottom of my teeth line right there. You know, like, this is my 2020 face. Traumatized, shocked, uh, numb, and slobbering all over myself. This is 2020. And I think it's easy in a year like we've had to start just thinking, man, it'd be a great Christmas if we could just get back to normal. It'd be a great Christmas if, you know, I could just have family travel in and be around like we've had in the past. It would be a great Christmas if our finances were just back where they used to be. It'd be a great Christmas if, you know, I knew for certain all the bills were covered, not only now, but in the short-term future, right? It'd be a great Christmas if we could just experience these external things in our lives. Then we would be happy. Then we would have joy. And the temptation is to think, because we don't necessarily have those things, we can't have joy. We're cut off from joy. And what's fascinating is the social science research has actually done a ton of work over the last 20 years on what it means for human beings to be happy and to have joy in their life. And all of their research points to kind of an overarching conclusion that I think is is pretty surprising. And I'm going to put it on a pie chart here. Um, They say that when it comes to happiness and joy in life, about 50% of your happiness or joy is fixed. It's based on your genetic set point. You know, some of you are just happy. You wake up and you're like Tigger, you know, like, woo woo You're bouncing around like, it's morning, it's morning time. You know, others of you are like, you know, wanting to inflict bodily harm on yourself when you're around this person in the morning, right? We're just, some people are the cup half, the cup's half full. Some people the cup, cup is half empty. Even if we don't want to be, like we have a genetic set point when it comes to happiness and joy, and we all have to kind of manage that. And there is a significant part of that. They say about half that we can't really control. All you can do is kind of manage the cards you've been dealt. But then here's what's interesting. They say that only about 10% of my happiness, your happiness, and joy is really anchored in life events. I think about that. Because I often feel like 90% of my happiness is about life events. Almost everything we've talked about in, this, uh, uh, in our time together so far in this message is about life events. They say that's actually a small percentage of what impacts your happiness and joy. But what does impact your happiness and joy are your habits, which is, I think, in part, helps us figure out how we're going to handle the life events that come into our lives. They say 40% of my happiness, your happiness, is based in habits that you can influence and control. So it's easy to be discouraged and be frustrated, and we've all had this over the last nine months uh, more than once, but imagine this, that you and I can actually have an influence on at least 40% of our sort of happiness and joy based on the habits in our lives. And I want to share with you a few habits that I've been engaging in my life, uh, especially over these months in the pandemic, that I think have helped me experience more joy. And I've been particularly leaning into them in the midst of the holidays to experience more joy in Jesus in this season. It's interesting, the shepherds, they hear this amazing announcement, but then they decide they have to go look and see for themselves. They have to go see Jesus for themselves. They they need to go experience this for themselves. That took effort. It took intentionality. And if we're going to grow in our faith, if we're going to experience all God has for us in our lives, it's going to take effort and intentionality on our part. We've got to go and see ourselves. Listen, at some point, you got to move past your parents' faith. At some point, you got to move past your friends' faith. 
At some point, you got to move past kind of whatever you self-perceive is, 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 is the greater faith of your family, and you've got to embrace faith on your own terms with God. You've got to learn to go and see and come before him and let him move in your life. And this is a season when we can do that. So here's some habits I've engaged in to look for that joy in my life. One is to simply believe that God is good and he is in control. Every morning when I get up, before I do anything else, I just remind myself God is good and God is in control. It's a habit. It's a habit and it reframes things because it won't be long till I'll see the news. Hello. And the news will make you think nobody's good and nobody's in control. Right? It won't be long until you start facing the challenges of the day, and the challenges of the day will throw you all kinds of curveballs. So every morning when I get up, I just remind myself, God is good, God's in control. And Christmas reminds us that God has a plan. The Bible says Jesus was born in the fullness of time. He came into the world in a, in a, in a time when it was filled with turmoil, but it wasn't a time that was random or by accident. God had a plan and a purpose. God's plan is bigger than any pandemic. God's plan is bigger than any problem. God's plan is bigger than any struggle that we may be facing, right? And his plan is still moving forward. And so I just remind myself that God is good and God is in control. Second thing I try to do as a habit is I just keep reminding myself, don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. I don't know about you, but, but I can imagine worst case scenarios easy all the time. You know, I can go down there, I can, I can imagine the future, and more than once over the last nine months, I've thought, we're going off the cliff, man. This is it. This is the big drop. And then Lori will come in and she'll go, stop borrowing trouble from tomorrow. And it's a great word for me. And she said it for a long time early on in the pandemic, and then I started saying it to myself, and now I'm just living by it, right? Every morning I get up, I believe God is good, I believe he's in control, I'm not gonna borrow trouble for tomorrow. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, today has enough trouble of its own. Just deal with today and all the stuff that you can actually influence. Don't worry about all the things you can't right now. Those days will come and we'll get there, but that's been a huge principle for me. Another is to practice gratitude every day. If you haven't yet, write down 10 things that you're grateful for. And on a daily basis, just give thanks to God for those things in your life. It'll change your perspective. Listen, it's easy to grumble. It's easy to complain. It's easy to watch a press conference or, you know, read an article in the paper and go off. But it's hard and challenging and it takes intentionality to step back and say, I'm gonna choose to be grateful, even in a tough situation. I'm gonna find things that I'm thankful to God for. But when you do it, it'll fill your life. Another habit that can fill your life is regularly engaging with God's word and God's people. You know, Gallup did a poll uh, recently and they did some research and they concluded that there's only one sector of society that over the last nine, ma nine months saw a slight uptick in their overall mental health. Because I mean like, like who saw any kind of uptick in their mental health over the last nine months, right? We're, who are these people? You're pretty resilient. If you're seeing an uptick in your mental health over the last nine months, like what are you smoking? Because that's working for you, right? And you know what it was? It was a group of people in one category. People that attended church weekly, not monthly, not yearly, weekly. 
That category of people, you can Google this, uh, Gallup says saw an actual slight uptick in their mental health over the last nine months. It doesn't mean their lives weren't just as hard as everybody else's lives. It doesn't mean they didn't lose loved ones or face sickness or go through layoffs or face hard things, but it means they prioritize showing up and allowing God to move in their faith and in their life. And there is a power when we do that. There's a power when we come together, we get around one another. There's a power when we lean into the Bible and the teaching of the Bible. Because listen, there's times over the last nine months when you felt alone, when I felt alone, and there will be times when we feel alone in the future. But we've gotta come together and remind each other that God says in the Bible, even when we feel alone, he says, I will never abandon you. Look, when you feel like everything is ruined, God says, I can do more than you can think or imagine. When you feel like it will never work out, God says, is anything too hard for me? Listen, when you feel like no one has a plan, God says, I know the plans that I have for you, and they're to give you a hope and a future. When you feel like you don't matter, God says you were made for a purpose, on purpose, with a purpose in your life. When you get to a place where you just feel like, man, there's nobody looking out for me. Look, God says nobody who puts their faith in me will ever be put to shame. When you feel like no one cares about you, God says nothing can separate you from my love. When you feel like no one listens to you, God says, I hear your prayers and I know what you need. When you feel like it's all over, God says, look, I'm already doing a new thing. When you feel like you can never change, God says, I will complete the work that I began in you. When you feel like you're not strong enough, God says, I will be your strength. When you feel like the worst is on the way, God's saying, look, the best is yet to come. No matter how done you may feel, God is not done with you. And it's a powerful habit to just keep gathering and reminding ourselves, hey, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through it. God is still working. God is still moving. Friends, you and I can experience joy. Listen, Jesus came on Christmas Day to make joy available every day. Well, how do you experience it? Well, just like the shepherds, you gotta look for it. You gotta search in your life. And as you search, some habits that have been helpful to me, believing that God is good and God is in control and reminding myself of that every day. And then just a simple kind of act of of putting my worries on God in prayer and trusting God will provide every day, not borrowing trouble from tomorrow, and then choosing gratitude every day over grumbling, and then finally exposing myself to God's word and God's people on a regular basis. It's how you can look for joy. Here's another thought, and that is to share joy in your life, to share joy in your life. I, I don't know... Um, for you and you know, kind of how you've navigated the last nine months. But I know that everywhere we've gone, we've been really concerned about things that are contagious. We've learned more than we ever wanted to know about viruses and how they spread and how they're contagious in our life. And it's sort of affected like how we view other people, hasn't it? I mean, have you noticed this? Like, like you know, everywhere you go, somebody could be a spreader, right? They could be a carrier. You sort of size people up differently. Like, oh yeah, that definitely they look like a, they got it. Right, you know, have you, come on, have you ever had this moment where somebody gets a little, like I was walking in a crowded area uh, and a guy brushed my arm and, and, and it was just a moment where I actually stopped. I was like, bro, 
you touched me. I'm like, get the Lysol out, man. I don't know what happened right there, right? Yeah, I mean, we just, we sort of see people a little differently. I, I, if you haven't flown yet, flying is a trip. Uh, I, we flew for a family thing uh, in all of this, and uh, that, was, that was wild, which I'm just saying, man, you know, if you can go to the airport, you ought to be able to go anywhere. Anyway, um, we go to the airport, there's people everywhere, it's crazy, but we get on this plane, and we're sitting there, and, you know, the plane's like half empty, and which I was thankful for, and, and I'm assuming, because we're back quite a ways, this Lori and I, like, we're, we're not going to have anybody in the rows in front of us or behind us, because there's plenty of seats, right? Everybody's all positioned out. Everybody's all spread out. It's like, cool, man. This isn't so bad. You know, I thought some dude was going to be sneezing right next to me, and um, this guy gets on the plane. He walks down the aisle. He looks at this empty plane, and he decides to sit right in front of me. I'm like, bro, you know, we got up and we moved, which by the way, one of the, when we were flying back, it was a full flight and I had to clear my throat. And it was the most awkward thing because I'm like dying, you know, like I'm like, I got to do it, man. I just got to do it. But everybody's going to look at me and, you know, they're going to think, and you just, I finally went like, all right, I'm good. I just got to clear my throat. Promise you. Everybody's contagious now. You know, what would happen in our lives? And I, what would happen if we got as concerned about the things that we're exposing ourselves to spiritually as we are about exposing ourselves to the virus? Hello. Like, like what would happen if we thought a little larger than just viruses, because there are other things that are contagious, right? Hate's contagious. Bitterness is contagious. Negativity is contagious, right? You know, there's a lot of things that are contagious outside of just the virus, but so is hope and faith and love and joy and kindness and gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. Those things are contagious as well. And so when you you would put yourself around people who share those values, it, gets a, it has a contagious kind of effect, and it impacts you in your life. We see it even in the shepherds. Luke chapter 2, the shepherds, they hear about uh, Jesus. They go to Bethlehem. When they get there, they see Jesus. They're overwhelmed. They're filled with joy. And then it says in verse 17, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were what? Astonished. So I want you to notice this. The shepherds saw, they heard, and they shared what God had shown them in their lives. And it's in that sharing, the next verse says that they, they went back home praising God and giving thanks to God. They're filled with joy that came in part through sharing what God had done in their life. And I've, I've seen that over these last nine months. I think of all the times when I've shown up to see our amazing volunteers and servants serving food and making a difference in the lives of other people. Just many of these people out of work, many of them hurting in their own way, many of them going through their own stuff, but willing to share and give back. And every time I've served, I've found that it, it impacts me as much as anybody. It gives me joy. Uh, Friday, serving all of these kids and families and just, you know, seeing the smiles on their faces and the joy that they were experiencing, even if it's for a few fleeting moments, it filled me with joy. I remember one moment in particular, Easter service.
services this last year, and we were still not open at our physical locations. We were online uh, only, and I remember just being in this room, having been a pastor 27 years, 27 Easter's, you know, those are always huge weekends, and there's nobody here. And I remember just weeping. I was just like heartbroken. You know, it just kind of felt so, I didn't even know what to do with that, right? One of the things that was happening is back then we were serving food out of our Henderson location every, every Sunday. And so I would come up to the church and I would serve food and people would be like, man, thank you so much for, you know, being here and serving food and all that. And I didn't say this, but what I wanted to say is, you know, really, I'm just here for me. Because the best thing that I can do with my stir-crazy, going nuts, losing itself right now is come up to church and help other people. Because I always go back filled with more joy than I came with. See, that's, that's, I think, how God has wired things into our life. You want to experience joy this holiday? Search for it. Embrace spiritual habits that can help you experience joy. And then share whatever God has given you with people around you. The shepherds, the more they shared joy, the more they experienced it in their own hearts. And so we see this pattern in the Bible. It's called the principle of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Now what I'm about to share with you is not the same as karma. People are always like, you know, karma. Or it's not the secret. Anybody remember that book, The Secret? You know, it's not about, it's not about just putting good vibes out into the universe. Just put good vibes out, man, and then, you know, good vibes come back. Right, like... I got good vibes, I put good vibe in, I get a good vibe out. The biblical teaching is, is different, similar, but there's a difference, there's some nuances in it. And I would say the biblical principle, it's not karma, it's not the secret, it's the principle of sowing and reaping. Right? The biblical principle is kind of this idea. It's the idea that you tend to grow whatever you sow or plant in your life. Right, you, you plant it in your, you plant or sow bad things like negativity, hate, bitterness, selfishness, dishonesty. You do that in your life over a long time. Eventually, what do you think grows up in your life, right? Negativity, bitterness, dishonesty, right? You, you tend to reap what you sow. When you sow goodness and kindness, generosity and honesty, those things tend to, tend to grow up in your life. You sow or you plant what you want to grow. So if you want more recognition and praise, then you start by praising and recognizing others, right? If you want more love and attention uh, from your friends or your family, then show them love and attention first. If you want more grace and mercy when, when, for, uh, you know, in your life when you may mess up, then show other people grace and mercy in their life when they mess up. If you wish people were more honest with you, hello, well, start by keeping your promises, even the little ones. If you wish people were more generous with you, then start being generous with others. If you wish people would give you more opportunities and open more doors for you, then start using whatever power or knowledge you have to open doors for others. If you wish people showed you more common courtesy and kindness, then start showing kindness to others, especially when they least deserve it. Listen, you grow what you sow. So when I think of Jesus, born in a manger 2,000 years ago, 
I'm reminded of God's love coming down into our world. I'm reminded of his example, of his holiness, of his passion, of his compassion, of his power. And I'm inspired then to plant good things in my life, things that honor him and honor God, things that uh, ultimately I want to see grow up in my life. So I'm looking for joy. I'm sharing that joy with others. And then I think I'm experiencing more of God's joy every day. In fact, I went back and I, I looked through my last message that I gave um, just as well. It was the, actually the first weekend of the shutdown, and church was meeting online back in March. And I was just going through some notes, and randomly I came across this talk that I gave here at Central. It was my first talk at the beginning of the shutdown. And I was like, this should be interesting. You know, because you're looking back nine months. And I remember like looking back thinking, man, I didn't know then this was going to go on for nine months and still be going, right? Remember back then it was like, we're going to shut down for two weeks. Remember that? And we're all like, okay, can we do it for two weeks? I think we can do it for two weeks. Okay. Um, I didn't know we'd, we'd serve over 500 pop-up food pantries, nine and a half million pounds of food, 800,000 people help. I didn't know we would do any of that stuff, right? I, we were just at the beginning of it. But I shared a scripture that has meant so much to me, and man, it's meant so much to me over the last nine months. And when I read back through these words, I just literally want to share with you the same thing I shared with you then at the end of that experience when we were at the beginning of this pandemic. And now when we get to a place where we can finally start to see the sun come up and look towards the yen, I want to encourage you because I believe the words I'm about to share are still true and they still hold. And it's anchored in this, Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse 5. It says, God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. And if there was ever a scripture that's anchored in Christ's birth, it's got to be this. God, I'll never fail you. I'll never abandon you. And we remember Jesus was born, lived, died, rose again so that we could be forgiven and free and walk with him. God's saying, I'm not going to fail you. I'm not going to abandon you. So that's the promise. Okay. And then notice this. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my what? Helper, you see that? The Lord's my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? <laughs> Somebody's like, well, they can do a lot, bro. They can rob you, mug you. They can make your life terrible. They can write like people can do a lot to you. But what he's getting at is ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, God will bring justice and God will bring righteousness and God will move. And in the end, what people ultimately can do to you is so minimal compared to God and who he is. So God has said, I'll never fail you. I'll never abandon you. We respond with confidence. The Lord is my helper. And my encouragement to you this holiday season is when those fears come and those worries come, remember the promise. I'll never fail you. I'll never abandon you. Remember Christmas, God with us, and then respond with courage so I can say the Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. In fact, this week, when you face uncertainty, I want that phrase to just come to your mind. The Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. Listen, when I see a troubling news report and I start to get afraid, the Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. When I begin to think officials are overreacting or underreacting, the Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. When I go to the grocery store and maybe some items, you know, that I thought should be there aren't there, hey, the Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. 
when I don't know where the money's coming from, the Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. When my hours get cut back at work or my business is called non-essential, the Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. When my kids are doing school online and they're driving me nuts and the thought of them doing more school online makes me want to pull all my hair out, the Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. When I hear the number of coronavirus cases continues to rise, the Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. When I know someone who's sick, when I get sick, when I lose someone I love, the Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. Listen, when a family member is a first responder or a service provider, the Lord's my helper. I will have no fear. The Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. It's the promise. God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never fail you. And then our response, God, you are my helper. Christmas is ultimately about Christ coming into the world. God with us. We're not alone. And that God has said, I will never fail you. And I will never abandon you. It doesn't mean we won't face problems. It doesn't mean we won't go through pandemics. Jesus said, in this world, you will face trouble. We will face trouble. But he said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. I want to introduce you to Amber and her amazing story and how she's found God moving and working in her heart as she's faced incredible challenges in this season in her life. Let's check out this video. Bring it with some conviction. Yes. Yay! My name is Amber Woodward. Uh, I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I'm a daughter. <laughs> and uh, I guess it really begins 2016. Um, I had gone to the doctors, discovered I had cancer, breast cancer. Um, at the time, it was stage one. I literally, like, I, I did 55 radiation treatments, six chemo, and five internal surgeries, and I thought I was in the clear. March of this year, 2020, that's when I found out the news that I was stage four. Uh, my doctor in one sentence had said, stage four, terminal, you got about six months to live. That's when I really, really knew that God was telling me, like, hey, you do need me in your life. Best decision that I ever made was coming back to church because my life was empty. God has used me several times to reach out to people that I can see are hurting. But I watched Amber walk into the building and something told me there was something special about her. So it was during prayer time, and I walked up to her and I said, you're not alone. I don't know what you're going through, but you're not alone. Meeting Sharon and Phil has been a blessing. She's not just my friend, she's like a second mom to me. 
God, thank you for this incredible day today where we get to come together and celebrate changed lives. And I just pray in this very moment right now, God, that we could just celebrate her and uh, thank you for the amazing steps she's taken, Lord, to, um, to follow you. We thank you for this opportunity to celebrate. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Getting baptized was the best feeling ever. I can't even describe that day. Um, I do know those few seconds that Nikki put me under. It was like this feeling of, of calmness and love and faith. And I knew at that moment that everything was going to be okay. Without my faith in God, I don't think I would have made it this long. Because I don't know how many times I have said to myself in the mirror, that I wanted to give up because I was just tired of the fight. But with God and everyone here at the church, it has been a blessing, truly. There's nothing that my doctor can say that's going to affect any more like my strength, um, my hope, my, my faith, because if I wake up, my feet hit the floor, I have air in my lungs, and I have my loved ones. That's what matters. I'm grateful for Amber and uh, her family. She's in this service here with us today and ask you to continue to pray for her and for her healing. And I want to just share a word of hope with any of you that feel like, you know, you're, you're kind of in over your head and you aren't really sure where God is and where, how all of this works together. I want you to know God loves you. Christmas reminds us that the greatest present of all is the present of forgiveness and mercy and kindness that you can experience in a relationship with God. And you can begin that journey through a simple act of faith by trusting in Christ, by believing that he lived, he died, he rose again for your forgiveness and for your relationship with God. The Bible says you can experience forgiveness and mercy, God's spirit coming to dwell within you. You become part of a church family. Uh, you have the hope of heaven in your heart embedded there. And you can literally walk out or in today's experience knowing that you are right with God because of what Jesus accomplished for you through faith. So if you're ready to make that commitment in your life, I'd love to guide you in that through a simple prayer where you open your heart to God and ask him to move and work. So would all of you please bow your heads and close your eyes. If you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, you can begin that journey by repeating this prayer after me. Just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you in Christ's name. And friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air wherever you're at. Just slip your hand in the air to acknowledge you're going to follow God and you're going to trust him in your life today. 
God, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. I thank you for each person who's just reached out to you today. And I pray you'll show up in their life in a powerful way and fill them with your mercy and your compassion. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's put our hands together for those who made spiritual commitments in their life today. And if you made a spiritual commitment in your life, we want to just tell you congratulations. We'd love to put a resource in your hands. It's a simple, free devotional called How to Follow Jesus. So if you just go to central.family on your mobile device or web browser and just click I've Decided to Follow Jesus, we'll make sure to get that to you. Uh, We'd also, at our physical locations, love to give you a little pin that just says hope. And it's something that you can hang on to as a marker for this day to remember when you became a follower of Jesus, when you surrendered your life to Christ. And so make sure to grab one of these after our experiences are over.